It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And stop. He's what you get with his Honestly. I've got it. I've absolutely got it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Come on in. It's another edition of uh, Mode Push, an American view of F1, our podcast for the burgeoning fan base here in the United States, but also uh, for you gearheads out there that are like my co-host Dan Jimenez, who is a nut for all things engineering. And that's what we try to do on this program is bring you a little bit of what is going on in the world of F1 news wise and also get you ready for the upcoming races this weekend. Dan Jimenez, it is, of course, our uh our battle to be able to see in Miami, our American race that is uh, our first one of the season, as it's going to be filled with uh, three of them total overall. This one going to start in Miami in the parking lot of the Hard Rock Cafe uh, uh, Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, whatever they call it. Either way, the of all of the races, before, uh, before Las Vegas has even started, this is already my third favorite American race. I think that uh, is going to be a popular opinion. (laughs) You know, I'm seeing that uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, chatter online that Miami's pushing really hard to sell tickets right now and that the ticket prices have dropped and that they're like half the price of of a Las Vegas ticket. So it's going to be interesting to see how full the stands are and how much like dilution is happening with the fact that everyone's like, well, if I'm going to go to one race this year in the U.S., I'm going to go to the Vegas one. Uh, I thought that was you kind of backdoor inviting me on your private jet to go to Miami this weekend. <laughs> right. The PJ. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, you know, it is, it's one of these things that I talk about F1 constantly and I read about it constantly. And out of the two of us, you're of course the only, uh, seasoned, uh, race attendee. So I don't know. I don't know at what point it's going to have to happen, but Honestly, with the prices that you see in some of these places, I could see myself going to a foreign race, a foreign-based race, before I go to any of the American ones because it's becoming so popular in the U.S., uh, Miami included. It, it still is a tough ticket to get. It's still, a, it's still an expensive ticket to get versus, you know, I had somebody, I think, reach out on Twitter and say, hey, by the way, here are the tickets to Suzuka and how you fly there. And it still doesn't add up to just the weekend passes at Vegas, right? And so you go, well, maybe I go somewhere yeah. else to watch a race. 
I, that's where I'm at. It's a good opportunity to travel and, uh, and mix that up with your hobby. So the prices that I was seeing from Miami for a three day pass for this weekend was like 950 bucks, mm. which is what I paid to go to Singapore. I think it was 900 bucks for a front stretch seat for all three uh, days. But, um, that was like marked down from, you know, 1900, 2000 bucks. And that's what, what I, you know, we've been hearing the, the prices are for Vegas as well. So, I'm with you like Canada, Mexico city. I'm all about, you know, taking a, a short trip to go see a race and, uh, actually visit a new place. Uh, that's, uh, at the same price as if you were to go domestic, Ooh, we could go to Canada, Montreal. Isn't that where the race is, is in, uh, yeah. in the nation's capital. So, or I mean, in, uh, at least, but there is a problem is, is that when, then we go there and then you still feel, you still feel like you're going to not just Canada, but you you know you got to be your Quebecois, right? You got to you got to speak some French while you're there. Um, <laughs> yeah. As we get ready for Miami, let's jump into some of the news from this week. As we uh, when we last re- when we last got together and did an episode this week, we chatted a little bit about some of the breakdown of of Baku, and this is a quick turnaround. The amount of air freight that had to make it to Miami. Uh, from Azerbaijan is crazy. This is just kind of the peak into what the what the F1 world does over a weekend in bringing that whole race and the whole paddock to another part of the world in uh, in another hemisphere. It's a pretty insane. It's a pretty insane kind of you know thought to have to do it. Uh, but in the world of these racers who are you know getting on a private jet and going you know from from place to place, then there's the cargo of the cars getting there that I always think is fascinating. What does it look like in terms of how it gets there? Are things on ships? Uh, is that too slow? What kind of cargo, uh, air cargo, do they get on to be able to bring everything over? Because we're talking trucks and trucks and truck loads of of gear to come over each team. Yeah, so they do both. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they'll send out uh, can big, you know, container ships full of equipment to like the different regions of the world. And then that equipment will kind of stay on that side of the world throughout the season. And this is stuff to be able to set up the paddock, like kind of the less like um, kind of team specific essential stuff. So that gets going early. And then uh, the actual team equipment and the race cars themselves are like the cars are disassembled after at the end of each race and put into crates and into boxes. So what level? Those containers. Uh, I mean, down to the bare chassis. So obviously the wheels come off all the suspension components, the front rear, rear wings, all the engine covers, side pod covers, the engine comes out of it, like all of that stuff. So it's, it's all packed up into like Pelican cases. And, and then that, all that for everybody gets, uh, including everybody's, um, like their, uh, paddock, uh, facilities, which is just crazy, like how nice facilities that these teams have. Yeah, their VIP uh, their areas. Teams. Their VIP areas are like these. I mean, you're talking the reason that that uh, Drive to Survive that glass door that was broken by uh, by was it Roman Grosjean or, or Kevin Magnuson? I can't. Remember I think it was Magnuson. Yeah, yeah, that slammed the slammed F, the door. The F smash that has now been uh, made uh, famous by uh, Gunther Steiner. Right. Those are the things they have. Like full offices. And multi-level, by the way, like this isn't just like an RV. This is like VIP experiences for clients of those team-specific kind of things. And so it is a massive amount of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So all that stuff gets put on uh, the the DHL chartered cargo uh, plane, which I don't know if it's 747, some wide-body aircraft. And then that's what goes 
between Baku and Miami this week and then gets dropped there. Uh, it's probably landing today and then gets unpacked tomorrow. You start to see photos. Um, I'll start to see photos of people's equipment kind of leak on Thursday uh, yeah. and um, as stuff gets unpacked out of the crates. But I think one of the interesting things is that not only is this a short week, but we're coming off a sprint race week. And this uh, sprint weekend is a bit different because you only have the one free practice on Friday. And then you go in uh, into park Ferme rules, which is basically you can't make any major changes to this, the vehicle once you go into park Ferme. So these guys only had one practice session to really try things out. And because of that, like um, what I, from what I'm reading, some of the teams were more conservative with what updates they brought because they didn't want to do something so totally crazy. You only have an hour to test all your updates, correlate it to the SIM data, make sure it's doing what you thought it was going to do. So uh, because we had a sprint weekend with reduced practice time, uh, the the speculation is that teams were more conservative with the updates that they tried than they're going to be going into Miami where they have three practice sessions to be able to really try all this stuff out. So we should see more updates uh, actually hit the track this weekend than we saw last weekend, which could mix up the performance uh, from what we saw last weekend. I don't get when they say that a, uh, a racetrack and we'll, we'll get more into, into Miami uh, in just a little bit, but I, but I think when they say, Oh, okay, this is a, this is more of a street circuit so is it or not? Like, that's what I'm like. I don't know. We've heard it like be set up. Oh, this is a perfect, this is another opportunity for Checo to, you know, cause he's a street circuit guy, but they're like, yeah, this is sort of a street circuit. So what makes it sort of a street circuit? Yeah. So a street circuit would be characterized by, uh, really slow corners, like slow 90 degree bends. You don't have these big sweeping corners. Like you have like at a, um, a full blown race course. And so that's why they say, oh, well, you know, check us so good at that, because when you can't get to those slow corners and then long straights, it's like 90 degree turn straight, 90 degree turn straight. That's, you know, what a street course race is like. You have to be really easy on the rear tires so that you can keep that traction to be able to get, you know, good acceleration up off of the corner, which um, is what Sergio is really good at. So why Miami's kind of a street circuit because it's like built in a parking lot. So it's flat. Like another thing too is um, street circuits don't really have cambered corners and have banking uh, to help the car turn. And so that uh, will, you know, do different things for tire wear uh, and it just may, the car drives different. So yeah, Miami's completely flat and they've got some 90 degree turns and a really long backstretch, but then they've got this first couple sections that have some large sweeping turns, which make it more of like a um, kind of like a, a high downforce track. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a hybrid. It leans more low downforce track uh, and street circuity, but with a, a mix of a couple of sections where you're going to need um, high downforce for the big sweeping turns. So I would say it's a, it's about average. It doesn't really play into any particular person's um, strengths. Let's uh, jump a little bit more into the race and kind of what these different racers are expected to do this weekend and what, what's going what's gonna to go the way of, of what that Miami GP is going to bring us. But first, some of the news from this week. Some of the – obviously, we're not doing a sprint uh, setup this weekend for the races. So, like you said, FP1, FP2, FP3 in the traditional fashion – I guess you'll be able to see kind of the difference kind of just going one week to the next and go, okay, did I hate this? That's another way to look at this is like on these races, because I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, Dan, but I would, I don't know if I would like this at all. But what I heard is that this is, they're wanting to go to a sprint format as an every weekend 
setup in racing? What's the end game uh, of the sprint races, and is that what they want to do? Is that the direction that they want to go, that every race ends up being the format that we had last weekend? Uh, the goal is with these six weekends is to figure out, is there a better weekend setup? I think the ultimate goal is whatever we land on ends up just being the standard for every weekend. Uh, but before we do that, let's try a bunch of different formats. And I don't think that we'll get it uh, as the standard for every weekend until there's a format that all the teams feel really good about. And, uh, you know, Formula One management. And we're just not there yet, and I don't see us getting close to it anytime soon. So I would predict that for the next few years, we're still only doing this six times a year, but we keep trying different things to perfect the format because it, it was better this last weekend for the teams because you know it it didn't put the main risk at the main race at risk, which is what they wanted, but it also wasn't uh, exactly like a you know super exciting race that had a different finish than what the normal race would have already done. So it's uh, we're still in experimentation mode, but I totally uh, would expect whatever we land on to become the new standard. What else is going on F1 news-wise this weekend that would uh, shake things up a little bit or make some contrast? I was just a little bit, I was just like a little bit of gossip before we go into the weekend so that these team principals have to walk by each other in the paddock and pretend like they like each other. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Toto Wolf had a, a bit of a, a banger quote that people are talking about uh, after the race on Sunday. And, you know, I'll just jump to the headline and I'm going to trade one of his words for a more uh, uh, FCC appropriate word. <laughs> he, uh, he said, I think generally the ground effect cars are crap cars. It, it's, it is just who has the least crappiest car, isn't it? So what he's saying there is like he thinks these ground effects cars, that the ground effect car that started with the regulations last year, which is make downforce by having the car really low to the ground. He just thinks that makes a crappy car like it's not a good race car. And to him, the performance advantage is based on who can ever who can make the car ride like basically the smoothest. And he called out Red Bull and said, you see on all the onboards, Red Bull's barely moving and the speed on the straights, all the bumps, the car balance is easy. If you look at all the other onboards, it looks like the cars are tricky. So he's pretty much saying Red Bull's fast because there's their car handling is really smooth mm. over all the bumps and in the corners. And we talked about this on a prior episode, like the anti-dive suspension stuff that Red Bull is doing. It's just they keep a very um, like consistent ride attitude and height and they can keep it low where everyone else hasn't who hasn't figured that out is trying to figure out how to balance okay, we don't want this car jumping around all over the place, but we also don't want it super high up in the air. So Toto just thinks uh, that these regulations are crap, and he wants, uh, I think, like we talked about last week, he's always wanting a change to the regulations, okay, but, and so he's like, he's kind of just insulting them right now. <laughs> but, that's a, but, but that's what I'm, I don't understand is he's like, this, this is because the cars are crap, you know, and you're like, Toto, and I'll just mimic what uh, – what Christian Horner said at one of their meetings, right? He's like, don't make a crap car then. Like that, like that's the regulations are the same. So he's complaining that Red Bull has figured it out better than Mercedes has. What is the, what is the complaint here? Because short of him talking about, let's all have the same car like IndyCar does. And then we'll see who the best teams are, which is what people have argued for a long time. You know, that's something that happens at F1. But we just kind of say in F1, oh, you know what? We like the idea that you have to engineer a car based on the regulations. 
I don't understand what he's asking for then. Is he asking yeah. that Red Bull start from the beginning and they have their their hands tied behind their back? I don't know. This is a team who was so dominant for so long. I think that he doesn't – That I don't know. People were making these same complaints when they were winning about, yeah. hey – these guys have something else going on here, and it's just like, well, we are making a big-time car. We have the best people in the factory. It's like, listen, this is what's happening. You're Mercedes, dude. You ostensibly have the best access to the best engineers ever, uh, and even though there's a cost cap, you still have the resources that no one else does, factories that no one else does. Uh, like, I don't, I don't get what his real complaint is. Red Bull has made a better car than we have. I hate it. Like, that's what he's saying, right? Like, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get what his yeah. what the solution is. I, I, changing the I regulations that, is going to be like, okay, so let's change them again so that you can get a reset. Is that what he's asking for? Uh, I think long-term, he would like that. I think short-term, he's just hedging a bit of the expectations on Mercedes because he kind of came out in the last week or two being like, oh, you know, we got this new direction. We are having a, a B-spec car is coming to Imola, and it's going to be a lot better. And I think he had to do that to get – like the team's morale up, but then now like he has to temper everybody's expectation. And he's like, look, like we're still like the solution isn't like we just bring more down for us. That's the solution's more okay. nuanced than that. So don't expect, I can't uh, say, this. you know, us to, it, it is, he is uh, just all over the place. By the way, <laughs> he's the only billionaire on the entire grid. Yes. He's yep. the only, he, everybody else is groveling in a sense. I mean, this is a this is a sport of cajillionaires of 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 multi multi millionaires, and he's the billionaire of the group. Yeah. Like uh, Lance, I mean, Lawrence Stroll is one thing, right? He's the team owner. You know what? He's right. not. But but I mean, like his money was made elsewhere. This Total Wolf is the boss of the Mercedes team, and he's a freaking billionaire. And I'm not saying he's going to fix it with money. What I'm saying is is that this is a guy who has high expectations. And he's just a giant baby because he's not at at the top of the food chain, which is just annoying. And it makes me not like like I've never I've never hated Mercedes. This makes me kind of hate it because I'm like, dude, there's nothing to complain about here. There's nothing to complain about but, except for the fact that you're not you, the winner. You know, like if if and when the shoes on the other foot, like Christian Horner is going to turn into this too. It's like they're all like this. Yes. Like they they yeah. know that as the team bosses, they have to play this PR comms game, and you know, uh, rattle the the alarm when whenever they feel like something that that they've just been caught out and are have a major performance disadvantage. So it's just the game, you know. And, and Toto plays it really well. Did you see Toto's going to be a Harvard uh, Business School professor? He's going to do oh, uh, some sort of lecture course over the winter. So if you want to go to uh, could you HBS, ma- so you could you imagine this, as a teacher. How, like he's all, can you make me a larger uh, starch white shirt that I can wear? Like he wants that <laughs> high collar. He wants. He's like, make it as sharp as you can. I want to poke these students with the shirt in the eye, even over the Zoom. Like, I know I've given him kind of an Arnold Schwarzenegger oh voice, but that's really what it works. It is, it works. but that's where that's what he sounds like. Uh, all right, that's my goodness. Well, complain all he wants. Maybe it'll make. Look, in the end, we all want to see more competitive, a more competitive nature of F one. And but I blame Toto. I don't blame the regulations. I blame Toto and his team not showing up in the 2021 season, and then it got worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the year that they developed, right, the year they were trying to develop, 
And then when 2022 showed up, their pants were down, and it was a bad deal, and they still haven't figured it out. It's just gotten a little bit better. Uh, do better. That's it, man. Like, this is this sport, as he knows, what was he always saying? This is what I loved about it at the beginning of, of, uh, of Drive to Survive. The stopwatch does not lie. The, the stopwatch does not lie. And, like, that was all what he was about, right? It's just like, that's why I love the sport is that it's just like you are graded only on how well you do. And right. instead it's turned into this. But you're right. Uh, guess who the best principals are on the grid? The loudest, most annoying ones. The Otmar snap hours are really fun to listen to and really boring and don't say anything controversial, really. And they are midfield teams, to be sure. So maybe mm-hmm. you need more fiery attitudes uh, for us to be more excited about it. Okay. Um, in terms of the racers, in terms of what teams are going to show up with in Miami this weekend, what can we expect other than Red Bull being more dominant than everybody? Or is that not necessarily the way it's going to be either? Because last week the DRS zones uh, played to the played to the uh, the advantage of Red Bull because everybody's like the DRS advantage they have over everybody is insane. Does that get a little bit more tempered this weekend in Miami? Uh, the there's still one really long straight section that would play to their favor, but there's rumors that they're going to shorten that DRS zone. Uh, we won't know until I think tomorrow they release the new track map, but, uh, I, uh, have, you know, McLaren and Ferrari, their upgrades, uh, that they're bringing should help them out, uh, more here in Miami than maybe they did in Baku. So, uh, I would continue to look at Ferrari to keep that momentum. I mean, last year they qualified first, second, and then finished second, third. Like this was a good race for them last year. It was also a good time of the year, but, uh, a lot changes in a year. But I think uh, I, I'm looking at Ferrari to continue to improve and, and McLaren to make some strides forward. And then Yuki Sonoda had uh, a decent finish for where he was racing this time last year. He, he finished 12th. Um, so I think that Miami is uh, probably it's a, a track he likes. And so I look at Yuki to finish in, uh, in the points, maybe all the way up into eighth or more. Is there anybody else who is poised at a, as a, at a track like this to maybe make a little bit more of a, of a, of a statement is Nick DeVries so much on the back foot, as they say that uh, he's, he's getting to the point now where people are going, dude, you better show up. I mean, speaking of Alpha Tauri, right. But uh, is this a place where Haas might improve uh, their standing since they've been struggling a little bit as of late and, or, you know, McLaren, are they, are they going to continue to improve? And is there anybody else? Because really kind of six through two, it's anybody's race to a degree. But I don't know. I don't know where everybody is kind of on a, on a racetrack like this. Yeah. Nick DeVry, I he finished last in the sprint race and the, uh, like, I get, didn't he crash out of both races yeah. like last weekend? He mm-hmm. needs to get something together. Now, he doesn't need a points finish, but he needs to put a race together and finish top 15. Like, gosh, even like Logan Sargent, who isn't exactly doing amazing right now, is still averaging kind of a 15th place finish. And it's, it looks even worse when um, you have Sunoda who's who's finishing in the points. So it's it's really just on Devry's shoulders to put together a good weekend. Um, I like you know mentioned I, McLaren continue to make progress. Haas, man, they look they look slow. Like they've got some good straight line speed as as do all of these kind of Ferrari powered cars, but uh, they just they don't have I think the downforce. Uh, so. I they need to get their act together and uh, hopefully they can um, implement some more updates into this weekend. But 
Um, yeah, I think that we'll see the gap close to Red Bull this weekend uh, now that teams are able to kind of let loose on more of the upgrades that they had developed over the last uh, month without any racing. Okay, as we go into the weekend here and just your regular old FP1s, 2s, and 3s, and then regular quali on Saturday, uh, give me your give me your dream podium and then give me your uh, your surprise from the weekend. My dream podium was, uh, oh man, Charles, Alonzo, uh, <laughs> Para uh, Sergio. How so about it's just that? like, I want you, you just want <laughs> some sort of disaster at the beginning for Red Bull uh, to the point where Sergio still is able to get on the podium, but not, but only third place. Yeah. I think my, uh, if I had to put my, my own money on it, uh, I'm going to go Sergio with the win. Max second and uh, Charles third. I'm going to say it's a repeat of last week's podium. Listen, I am not, I don't, I don't, I just don't want Max to be first. Um, And I want, I want Sergio to be, to be able to kind of run him down on the points because I want to see what his face is like after that, because I don't, and it's not to say that I, I don't wish any ill on Max or Stappen. What I don't want is a runaway. If the fight this year for the championship is is between two teammates, so be it. And, and if it's, you know, because even when Valtteri and, and Lewis were fighting back and forth, it never really was a fight, right? I mean, I can't recall when it was like legitimately there was a points back and forth in the championship. I don't really remember that, but no. I want to see that. I want to see because I want to see the salty Max that comes out. They've obviously had a chat with him, right? They've sat down and they said, "Don't come out and say I didn't come here to finish second and you know uh, and act like it's just a one man team." And diplomatic Christian Horner has to come out and like kind of regulate the discussion. I want Max to be in the cool down room or not even in the cool down room because he doesn't finish on the podium and to just be sour and to have his dad over there kind of also sour. I want a little bit of that drama. <laughs> Bring me all of it. So, yeah. So that reminds me uh, a quote coming out today. So uh, Ralph Schumacher, um, Michael's brother, was quoted in a German, uh, I guess, Sky Sports Germany, okay. uh, quoted uh, this week. And he said, Ralph said, from my point of view, it is clear that Verstappen's side side of the garage wants a new teammate. I hear these rumors everywhere. I see it as a I see it as a problem that Perez knows his time at Red Bull is coming to an end. Why? He is fighting for his chance to play at the front to win, to have a go at the title. That is why Sergio is now becoming more selfish and has a far as far and as far as selfishness goes, Max Verstappen cannot complain. Max is doing very well. He is rightly the number one on the team, but he's also clearly marking his territory. So stoking the fire <laughs> and the rumors is Ralph Schumacher saying that Max's side of the garage, basically his family, I was gonna say you know, his dad, dad. <laughs> want dad wants uh, wants Sergio out because he's too much of a threat. Uh, I want all this. I want all of this. <laughs> Bring me this in video form this weekend uh, at the race. That's all, that's all I'm asking for. All right. Uh, for Dan Jimenez. Alex Curie, it is the Mode Push podcast. Uh, of course, we bring it to you every week during the season here. We're breaking these things down. Dan, I'm looking forward to our first uh, American race of the weekend, and then we'll be able to jam about this thing next week as well. Uh, thanks for being with me today, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to it. There you go. For Dan Jimenez, I'm Alex Curie. Download the podcast, comment on it, uh, rate it, subscribe, tell other people, hey, you have to listen to these two dudes. Uh, because the one guy's really smart, and then the other guy it just likes being there. So <laughs> it's uh, it's fun. Thanks for being a part of it. We'll see you next time, everybody.
years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.